we interrupt this podcast with a public service announcement from Yale Student Advising. Are you a first-year student taking five classes in one semester because you heard that's what you're supposed to do? Because your grandfather took five classes when he was here oh so many years ago? And are you a student whose professor suggested to them they should drop a class? But you think you're a student who shouldn't drop a class and isn't supposed to fail? Well, young perfectionist student, welcome to failure. Embrace it fondly because it'll be your constant friend for the rest of your life. This is the kind of helpful and sugar-coated advice you'll get from your Yale advisor. Just kidding. Uh, But seriously, your first year in college is your chance to become an adult human. It's the right time to discover what works for you and what doesn't. It's okay to drop a class. It'll still be there the next year. And last but not least, just for listeners of Talking Fast, here's a little inside scoop from us at Advising. The four-class-a-semester students graduate just like the five-class-a-semester students do. Can you believe that? And no matter how many classes you take a semester, years from now when you want to brag to your friends at happy hour that you went to Yale, so you say you attended a school in New Haven, yeah, they're not going to ask how many classes you took per semester. They will roll their eyes either way. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 14, The Incredible Sinking Lorelai's. Overwhelmed by her classwork, Rory confines in Dean, who's working on the construction crew at the Dragonfly Inn. Nothing about Lorelai. No. Yeah, nothing at all. Even though she had an equally important storyline. Quite parallel storyline. That Yeah. Like, that's the cool part about it. So, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into our initial thoughts, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join, uh, you can listen ad-free on Patreon. Just search for Talking Fast Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what were your initial thoughts other than the parallel storylines? Yeah, so I was like, I was definitely of two minds on this episode. The first is that while I was actively watching it, it stressed me out the entire time. And mm-hmm. I think this is maybe because I was personally in my own life running behind on my schedule today. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, need to finish this in time, like get this, this, and this done before we record. And then that's like everything the episode is about. Everyone is just like frantic and busy and stressed and like having problems with their lives and the people around them. And so I was like, oh my God, this is so intense. <laughs> um, but uh, my, the second part of my mind, I did really appreciate the structure of the episode. I liked how Rory and Lorelai had parallel storylines, but never actually like met and talked about it in the episode. And in general, I like this whole Rory struggling as a student um, part, but I don't like the part where they just decided to bring Dean into it. But we'll mm-hmm. get we'll get to that, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah. How did you feel about it? Um, I think I agree. It was kind of like a bummer of an episode, not it wasn't a bad episode it's just sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I thought also that it kind of is like a foreshadowing of the Rory and Lorelai separation period where like it just foregrounds how important them being able to 
confide in each other is in their lives and like how I mean these things still could have happened even if they were still like able to see each other on the weekends but I feel like they would have dealt with it like been able to emotionally process things better Mm -hmm. if they had actually talked to each other and like the fact that they kept missing each other just made everything worse for both of them so I liked that kind of like emphasis on how important their relationship is for their emotional stability. (laughs) Yeah, we can talk about it more when it gets there, but I did find it really interesting that they're both like confiding in Dean and Luke, Mm -hmm. like two guys when they had, it was like a missed opportunity for them to talk to each other. And then they Mm -hmm. still miss each other at the very end of the episode again. And what a bummer, as you said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also had this thought, I've been reading a lot about like story structure recently for writers and also like screenwriting. Not that I'm going to be doing screenwriting. <laughs> That's not my wheelhouse. But um, there's like, I think last week I might have talked about like the midpoint turn where it's like kind of a climax, like in the middle of the story. Mm. That's exciting before leading to the ultimate climax. And that was last week. But this week I felt like was the there's the like all is lost period or the dark night of the soul. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that this worked perfectly for that. It was like, how low can they sink? I think they're still going to sink lower this season, but this was pretty low. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. It is the dark night of the soul for them. And the monster in the night is Dean. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we will get to Dean. that. For now, let's do our Talking Fast segment where we recap the episode in 30 seconds, or at least we attempt to. (laughs) And I believe you are going first this week. So are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Let's see how it goes. (laughs) On your mark, get set, go. Uh, So we start off with progress at the inn. There's going to be a sink that's going to be delivered. Um, And then we also see Rory and Yale she and Lorelai are missing each other on the phone, so they keep leaving messages. And Rory is having issues with uh, Paris and Janet fighting again. And then uh, Trix is in town, which of course is going to be something with Emily. And there's more problems at the inn, and Lorelai and Suki are running out of money. And then Suki doesn't show up to get the sink. And then, uh... oh gosh, <laughs> that was bad. That was like my worst yet. I focused on the beginning too much (laughs) i think you did okay there's just like a lot going on yeah okay are you ready (laughs) yeah (laughs) start at like 20 minutes into the episode (laughs) okay ready set go lorelei and rory keep getting each other's voicemails which is too bad because they're both having pretty bad times lorelei is really busy with the inn and rory's struggling academically at yale she also got a job woohoo and um land moves out back to stars hollow gets her old job back um uh suki and lorelei have a bit of a conflict as partners lorelei has conflict with tricks as well they both end up crying on dean and luke's shoulders at the end and it's bad okay (laughs) nice that was good (laughs) okay let's get into it then yeah Uh, So we open this episode up at the inn where a lot of progress has been made. It looks like, I mean, there's definitely still a lot to do, but it looks like it's actually getting done (laughs) on like some other times we visited. Um, But they also, 
They also have horses, <laughs> which is something that Lorelai's mentioned before. They're named, or Lorelai leaves a message for Rory saying that she's going to name them Desdemona and Cletus. And this is not my Rory's bookshelf because I was confused. I know who Desdemona is. She's like the leading lady in Othello. Mm. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure out who Cletus was supposed to be. And this might be really embarrassing for me. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I feel like Cletus is one of those like very stereotypical like pet horse names. Like, yeah, I feel like maybe it's like a nod to like the silly or like classic horse names i don't know like yeah maybe like a she saw Roman some westerns horse. and a lot of yeah. horses were named cletus or something like that but yeah right into us if we are wrong <laughs> i did like kind of go down a rabbit hole trying to figure out there is one shakespeare character named cletus but he's like a minor character in um julius caesar mm. uh not so the most, like, I don't think that's the reference to have seen. Yeah, there's like a character in The Simpsons, but they never really reference The Simpsons. I don't think that's it. Mm. So I think you're right. It's probably just like a typical horse name. Sounds strong and masculine. Or exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a horse that could like pull a wagon or a plow. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Even though these are gonna be like take a trot around Stars Hollow kind of horses. <laughs> yeah, which would be really delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this in this scene, besides the horses, we are introduced to this recurring theme that Lorelai and Rory are busy right now and they keep missing each other on the phone as well. It's a classic game of phone tag. And I think this is something I personally, I have dealt with here and there, but... I'm in the age of texting, as we all yeah. are. <laughs> so I personally don't... I was like, wow, this is a like a 2000s plotline, <laughs> interestingly. And it's like thinking about the way technology fits into storylines. Like you probably wouldn't write this in this way today. Yeah. If it was today, it would be like when you're having a texting conversation and the person you're talking with replies like six hours later oh, so yeah. it's not relevant anymore and then you can't reply until six hours later so it's just like <laughs> the most stilted <laughs> conversation like, this actually should have been a phone call <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be difficult for them mm-hmm. um we also see a little bit of tom our contractor and he's talking about this sink that's going to be delivered and they want to be there to sign off on it before it's like accepted so that's going to be a thing also it will and then they get their first reservation um because tom has hooked up their phone so they write R- lorelei writes down the reservation on a gum wrapper which michelle scoffs at but i'm pretty sure it's going to be like framed and pressed and everything in the I end know, i think <laughs> it's so sweet <laughs> yeah so they have their first reservation, also like a hard deadline to open the inn, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's pretty risky, you know, but definitely got to open sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the one happy note of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So let's celebrate true. it while we can. <laughs> wow. That's depressing. Sorry. <laughs> Our next scene opens on a phone call, which like quite a lot of these scenes do. So get used to that transition. Um, Roy's returning Lorelai's call, reminding her that 
um, this little horse anecdote Lorelai had told her about earlier. She says, like, you said the horse, like, just sat down and that's why it fell off in a ditch, but actually it died. So she's sharing her traumatic traumatic stories about horses, apparently. So Rory makes her way into the room after this phone call and her roommates are up to some interesting antics. Tana seems to have acquired a a soldering iron (laughs) and loves the heat of it and burning things. And she's been doing it for three hours, apparently. I don't think you're supposed to solder inside. That's quite a safety hazard. Definitely not in a dorm room. You're barely allowed to have like a hot plate or a candle in a dorm room. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It really puts Paris's like craft table to shame, you know, in terms of like tables for activities Mm -hmm. that take up space. This one seems like accidentally bump into a soldering iron. Yeah. Set the whole place on fire. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, but Paris and Janet are also back to their classic arguing. This is very classic, like, roommate drama. So I found it, like, I don't know, almost boring, but only because it was so, like, real. Like, I have Mm -hmm. been in this exact situation where my roommates and I are like, oh, this person keeps bringing someone over. They should pay rent if they're going to be here that often kind of situation. So Paris is annoyed about Janet's boyfriend, Janet is annoyed that Paris is annoyed and so on and so forth. I think Paris clearly is just like angry at the world at the moment, which is sort of what Janet says, like, except Janet thinks it's like, oh, you're angry because you're lonely and bitter and you don't have a boyfriend. But Paris is like angry and bitter partially because I think she has to hide her man, you know, and maybe subconsciously she is regretting or at least facing the fact that she did dump Jamie to like open to like actually choose Asher and go forward with that you know it's like a marked difference yeah she almost says that she has a man and then she like (laughs) visibly stops herself and it's very awkward (laughs) after this scene where we have a really short scene um at Stars Hollow where there's a message from Rory on the machine and she's talking about how she's going to start her job as a card swiper at the cafeteria and Lorelai misses this message calls back and leaves another message (laughs) and then we catch up with Rory at her job as a card swiper at Yale and I wanted to ask you did you have any jobs like this during undergrad not like this exactly I had um I worked as a tutor and I worked at the library and they're both kind of more like substantial jobs that I had to like apply for and interview for and stuff like that. But um, this is I definitely am familiar with this kind of like you work in the dining hall or you card swipe these like kind of often like isn't it work study jobs they call them often it's tied to like scholarship and whatnot. I think you've said you had a position like this at one point. Yeah, I had work-study positions through most of college. My first semester, I worked in the cafeteria, but I was, like, on the sandwich bar, so I made people sandwiches. <laughs> I or loved I was on the, the employee who made sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I learned so many. That's such a so good many, position. <laughs> yeah, I learned so many good sandwich combos from that, like, mm. and I learned the power of banana peppers, uh, which are just, like... If you just need a bit of a spicy crunch to a sandwich, <laughs> they're the perfect thing. 
But then, like, for the rest of college, I worked as, like, an administrative assistant in a Mm -hmm. museum where I just buzzed people in. Nice. (laughs) And answered the phone and got to do all my work. Yeah. Like I mentioned briefly in my talking fast, I was happy to see that Rory got a job. And, like, what do you think brought her to this job like we don't really get any sort of like exposition about this and it seems a little strange that she's like very overloaded by her classwork Mm -hmm. and now she added a job onto that like I would have been it would have been nice to get a little scene of like here's why I'm getting a job (laughs) yeah like if Lorelai was paying I could see where she would get a job because Lorelai's strapped for cash so Rory could like get a job to help chip in here or there or something, but Emily and Richard are paying, so there's no real reason for her to have a job. Yeah. I don't know if it, maybe it's like a thing they do at an Ivy League where they make everybody spend a month in a, like, menial position (laughs) to become acquainted with the working man or some stupid, some, like, yeah, something I terrible. Doubt, like I doubt that, but I would yeah. support it. <laughs> I think it's just a story tool to make her seem even more busy. And it works. Um, it, she does seem busy. Yeah. She also, on the job, gets a call from Dean of all And people. answers the phone on the job. Which I know. Is, she's not doing a great job. <laughs> no, there's like a very long line after she finishes this phone call, which is a little silly to me because it's like, I feel like this is a job you could multitask, like you could be swiping mm-hmm. in on the phone at the same time, but yeah, maybe she's not there yet. You know, like sometimes it takes a bit to learn how to like slack off at your job effectively. <laughs> anyway, Dean is looking large, I wrote in my notes, because like <laughs> Paris just kept going on and on about how Janet's boyfriend was big, and I'm like, this is so Gilmore yeah. Girls to be going on about size, but then when Dean called, I'm like, he looks even taller if that is somehow possible and he's also just like broader now Mm -hmm. and his hair has more volume to it because it's kind of in that like swoopy boy sort of era it's I don't know I had that thought like when you see her him and Rory together in the last scene he looked very big compared to her (laughs) seriously he's got a cell phone now big updates Mm -hmm. (laughs) he is calling to like ask if she's okay with him working at the dragonfly because he's been offered a job from tom and he just wants to make sure it's okay with her because that would potentially mean he'd be back in her life in some fashion which i thought was actually a really kind of like nice thing for him to Mm -hmm. do and i would love if it ended there (laughs) yeah full stop (laughs) unfortunately like that's a nice ex who's being a polite acquaintance now and you can like coexist when you will maybe run into them once every few months like that's what this could have been yeah oh dear yeah um after this we get another scene i feel like this whole episode is just centered around phones like i know even dean gets a cell phone i I kind of i kind of like it like it would it would annoy me if this was every single episode but it almost feels like a like a themed episode. Like this is our missed cell phone call episode. And I think it's like a, a function that works for this season that we've talked about is like they've been trying to glue together Yale and Stars Hollow mm-hmm. fairly successfully, even though there have been many times where we've been like, why is Rory in Stars Hollow right now? So yeah, anyway, I, I think it works. But 
It does make it hard for recapping, definitely. Like, yeah. Another call. And wait, what was this scene? Was it this phone call or that phone call? <laughs> yeah. But this next scene is both Lorelai and Jason on business calls, like, post-coitus and also pre-coitus. <laughs> They're, like, going for two rounds <laughs> and having these business calls in between. And we get, like, some fun banter for them, of course, but also... Emily calls, Lorelai answers. She never looks at the caller ID. I think at this point there's some sort of caller ID on her cell phone. Yeah. And she never looks at it. She thinks it's going to be Rory, but it's Emily, of course. <laughs> and Emily is calling to say that Trix is making a surprise visit. And so Lorelai needs to come and uh, have lunch with them, I believe. While this phone call is happening, Lorelai is getting redressed she's putting on all of her clothes and the second that she hangs up with Emily she takes off all of her clothes and says I can't talk to my mom naked (laughs) which I thought was hilarious and also like I feel like that's the most people would agree with that I think yeah like even if even if it's not you know it's over the phone they can't tell you're still in that state of mind Yeah, I found this scene funny because, as you mentioned, it's this, like, pre- and post-coitus scene. And we talked about this briefly the first time they had sex. And it was, like, what sort of visual cues is Gilmore Girls, like, brave enough to show us that, like, Mm -hmm. oh, adults are having sex now. And it's, like, Lorelai is, like, so clearly in this, like, lingerie, (laughs) nighty sort of situation that is, like, bright pink silk with lace and then... When they're, like, talking, Jason's, like, round two. And she's, like, this is so, like, different for instead of having a cigarette after sex, we're, like, having business calls. So many, like, classic, like, sex references, I guess. And it's, like, okay, they have a sex life. That's nice. Mm -hmm. But it's just, like, it feels very pointed. (laughs) But also, like, what they can get away with on network TV at that point, I guess. I also noticed, I think this is the first time we ever see a bare-chested man (laughs) um jason has like his robe on but it's open and he doesn't have a shirt on and i don't think we've ever seen any of the male love interests without a shirt on or like seen any sort of partial nudity of any sort on this show before you know that i can remember you know and Scott Patterson felt so objectified when they looked at his (laughs) jeaned butt where's this actor's plea about his horrible experience burying chess and Gilmore Girls. (laughs) I did think it was good though he's like the least kind of hunky of Lorelai's boyfriends. He's got the most like normal body I would say so I thought that that was at least cool if they're gonna do it with somebody at least have it like a normal person Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, But yeah I thought that definitely jumped out to me. I feel like it was the first time. Maybe we'll get more chess moving forward. A girl yeah. can dream. We'll see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we see Luke's hairy chest at some point. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, on that note. <laughs> the very, the, a small detail to note before I move forward, Emily demands that Lorelai get a haircut because she says, mm-hmm. Trix will notice you don't have your haircut and then she'll blame me. So we will see how that falls out moving forward. Yeah, literally right now in our next phone call in our next scene yeah (laughs) we open on Lorelai once again on the phone 
um, talking with a hairdresser, begging for an appointment. Um, she gets in. She gets an appointment. She hangs up the phone, notices that Dean is working now, and they begin their classic will-they-won't-they they repertoire. Yeah, this was... Dean says, like, so romantically, your hair looks fine to me, batting his eyelashes. Like, <laughs> it was it was so sexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so weird. Yeah. The non-sexual aspect of the scene is actually quite serious. They seem to mm-hmm. have cash flow problems as Tom um, is talking to them awkwardly, not enjoying the conflict. He's a good guy, you know. Uh, but he's mentioning like they have been missing multiple checks and Suki immediately gets nervous and Lorelai is like I'll I'll talk to him and so one-on-one um, they talk about how she like tried to get a line of credit from the bank it's not working and he offers to keep it going for a while and mm-hmm. I'm like how can he I feel like that's very gracious of him <laughs> like yeah. what does that mean <laughs> and um, instead of a hug he says she can whistle at him in front of the guys later and they'll go crazy which i thought was really funny yeah <laughs> i made i had a hard time finding a stars hollow moment for this episode so i me too picked this because i felt like it it just felt like a small town kind of business relationship yeah like um, who else would like what other yeah. contractor would like let someone not pay them for so long and then be like I'll float you I'll spot you a little bit longer (laughs) yeah that's just like you'd have to have some sort of personal relationship for Mm -hmm. somebody to do that that's not the norm for sure um so they also uh Lorelai and Suki after this conversation have a bit of a conversation (laughs) about it this was I felt like the kind of preamble to their bigger fight later Mm -hmm. that shows that both of them are in the right and the wrong. Yeah. Lorelai clearly hasn't been keeping Suki fully up to date with things. And I'm not saying Suki could have helped necessarily with everything, but she still should have known. Mm -hmm. Um, But she suggests that they ask Luke uh, for a loan because he's offered in the past. And Lorelai says, as an absolute last resort, she'll go to Luke. I definitely have more thoughts on their working partnership but I'll save them for later on when the the bigger Mm -hmm. fight comes but um here I was thinking about how they were also talking about like are there places we could cut corners and Suki offers her oven or something I'm like that's ridiculous you know like that's (laughs) essential but then Lorelai offers to drop the horses and they're like no 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 but personally, I feel like you could drop the horses. Yeah. Get them, like, like, after year two. Exactly. Yeah, why I, would you start off with some, like, big amenity like that that people yeah. don't need? <laughs> like, if you're bleeding cash, like, yeah, yeah, wait on the horses. Um, I also found a way to sneak my Stars Hollow moment in here, too. Um, Lorelai asks, what about Jackson? Could he contribute a bit? And Suki says, no, because he just bought a bunch of farm equipment. And my nomination is for Jackson's farm, and I would like to know Ooh. where it is. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> I never really question. thought about, like, they kind of make it sound like he's growing vegetables in their backyard often. But in reality, that doesn't make sense when he's, like, supplying mm-hmm. multiple... I mean, I would assume he's supplying multiple inns or restaurants or something, like... He does, of course he would have a farm, and uh, maybe it's by the ice rink. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, they sleep with the zucchini, but that's all we see of the farm. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> in the next scene, at the very beginning, I have my Rory's bookshelf because we're introduced to Janet's boyfriend, who is named Andre, I believe. She calls he him is- Clee. <laughs> Clee? Oh, I, I think that. Paris calls him Andre as a reference to Andre the Giant. Oh, okay. <laughs> that <laughs> makes sub- more sense. Yeah, but the subtitles spelled it K-L-E-E, like... It seems like a nickname. Maybe oh, his name weird. is Cletus, like the horse. Oh, <laughs> full circle. Yeah. But I'm going to call him Beaver. Beaver, Because yeah. he is an actor who's also in Greek, which is a show that we both enjoy. And we have mm-hmm. an interview with some other podcasters who cover the show. If you're interested in listening to that, it was a, couple year, a year ago, maybe. Yeah, we'll have to tag them in a story or something to tell them about this crossover event because I don't know if any of us remembered this exactly in our conversation I don't know if it came up it's a very there are a couple other like crossovers that I think are going to happen soon but this is a big one so Beaver's a character on Greek who's like uh, a stereotypical frat guy Mm -hmm. kind of a bit a bit uh, himbo-ish person perhaps he's the himbo prototype like before yeah. himbo was a thing and he's so Very, lovable and funny yeah a big teddy bear not the brightest and i love in the show he ends up dating like the smartest like most goal oriented woman of the sororities i love that storyline mm-hmm. um but the actor's name is aaron hill i was looking up what else he's done and he had he's had like a few other tv show appearances but he hasn't done any like long running appearances i think other than greek that i could find Mm. and then he's been like in a few movies but not huge parts so yeah a bit of a crossover it's fun to see (laughs) yeah i feel like he's the actor who could make a living on like hallmark movies moving forward or something like that i hope (laughs) he has a renaissance of his career i know he's like at this point, I think he was born in, like, 83 or something from what I was looking up. So he's, like, the perfect Hallmark hero age at this point. Perfect. At this yeah. point, we're his agent. We should just, like... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can interview happen. him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That'd, That'd be, cool. be the dream. <laughs> okay. But I also had something else that almost got my Rory's bookshelf. Paris is complaining about the hole he left in the couch. I think just, like... It left an impression of his body because he's supposedly so huge. <laughs> and she lists off all these things. And one of them was she says that it's the hole is so deep that Gandalf the Grey is still falling down it. And I thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. It would have been my Rory's bookshelf if I hadn't already made a million Lord of the Rings Rory's bookshelves. Right. And if it wasn't Beaver. <laughs> As we're talking about Beaver is there. They're fighting about him being there once again. And I actually wrote a note of where I just like anticipated something that came up in the very next scene because it was like interesting that they're not talking about Lane being there because she's mm-hmm. actually the one who's like overstaying her welcome as much yeah. as I love her, of course. And switch to the very next scene. Rory's working. Paris is running to talk to her, yell at her. Or kind of like, I guess she's not really yelling at Rory. She's more like yelling about the situation to Rory about Janet and and Beaver. Um, And so eventually it does come up actually that, um, well, I mean, 
I guess Paris is a tiny bit mad at Rory as well because she thinks that Rory blabbed to Lane about date mm-hmm. about her dating Asher. Uh, because previously Lane had mentioned Asher to her briefly and Rory is defending herself like, oh, I told her before she even was at Yale, which I think you and I have talked about before. Like you can like gossip about your friends to yeah. the other friends who will like yeah. never actually <laughs> interact. But then they do interact now that Lane is a quasi mm-hmm. student at Yale at this point. <laughs> uh, so this brings a ra- this kind of all comes full circle to the whole Lane has Lane has been here for a while mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'll just keep speeding ahead because these are kind of like back-to-back scenes but this brings Rory to come home after work and she asks um, Janet and Tana like oh are you actually annoyed that Lane is here that's what Paris said but you guys don't really feel that way do you and they're like actually we do we do um, and I I kind of, I mean, I would agree, you know, in that position, mm-hmm. like, Lane mo- needs to move on. She had, like, a, she needed a soft landing following her conflict initially, but she's got to get her life back on a track, you know, and mm-hmm. um, not be in a dorm at a school you don't go to. Like, that's just not a fitting place for you. And Lane yeah. is pretty aware of that by the time that Rory brings this up to her. Like, it's definitely bittersweet. And Rory, for some reason, is saying she could be a janitor at Yale as if that's, like, a fitting path yeah, for her. I don't know. Hell. Like, Rory's definitely going through it and feeling like Lane brings... She says Lane brings stars hollow there. She's a certain comfort for her, too. Like, so she's sad to see her go for that reason. But it's definitely better off for Lane to go. Yeah. I made uh, part of this scene my uh, Friday night dinner mm. specifically the part where Rory confronts Tana and Janet about it because she comes up to them and she's like Paris has said blah 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 but you guys don't actually think this I mean she <laughs> has done all of this good stuff for us she cleans up after us she gets us coffee uh-huh. you guys couldn't possibly think that Lane needs to go and I just thought this was such a like passive aggressive kind of gaslighty almost way mm-hmm. to deal with his problem and it made me it was just like so gross it's just yeah. so so annoying tana and janet responded as if she had brought up like a regular conversation not this whole ridiculous guilt trip um so they dealt with it much better than i would have i probably would have like given some sarcastic biting remark or something back because um, I would have been so annoyed with Rory. But I just think it was like, it was just immature. And also, I can't believe that she hadn't thought of this before, that it might be an imposition on her roommates. And it made me think that she probably never asked them if it was okay for Lane to stay, mm. which is, I think, a huge faux pas in living in a dorm room like that. Oh, where yeah. you have to like share a bedroom with people and share a common space big time yeah even if it's like a one night guest you need to ask but yeah yeah it was i was just it, annoyed <laughs> yeah no she definitely was like attempting to manipulate them but it didn't mm-hmm. work on them and it would have been more annoying i think if it had worked um and she got her way but i guess she needs to like study emily and tricks a bit more <laughs> to yeah. get her oh passive <laughs> aggressiveness to be more um efficient (laughs) yeah Uh, they've got it down (laughs) this brings us to the next day where Lorelai is getting her much needed haircut supposedly 
and she is interrupted from a glorious head massage which is often like the best part of a haircut i feel like and it is news from tom that the that suki is not there for the sink that is being delivered that she said she like needed to sign off on because she has very specific sink thoughts and whatnot uh, so this is the conflict that we kind of foreshadowed earlier with this plot point. And Lorelai on the phone again <laughs> um, is trying to call everyone that she thinks she can get. Like she tries to call Suki. She doesn't get her. She tries to call uh, Michelle. She does get him, but he's busy <laughs> rightfully um, being starstruck by Celine Dion at yeah. this hotel that he works at. Um so Lorelai is left to like I guess leave her appointment but then later on it seems like she didn't get there in time because she Mm -hmm. says the sink is on its way back to Canada but and this is kind of like the incident that will instigate this whole fight my my like gut was sinking as this was happening you know like knowing what it was going to cause but also just feeling like and like just feeling for her in this moment like regardless of what like there's more complex feelings to have in a moment but I was just like oh that would be so annoying Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a classic like if you want something done you got to do it yourself kind of moment in a way is probably what she's thinking and now she didn't get her hair cut either which is like disappointing it is so frustrating for the get it done yourself kind of people when for once you rely on somebody else and they let you down just like you expected that they would yeah (laughs) it's so bad um but that brings us to the next scene which is like a really hard scene to watch um yeah Lorelai's banging on Suki's door and Suki comes to the door and she's like yawning she clearly just got up and um Lorelai is she's doing I think she's kind of speaking similarly to how Rory did earlier she's kind of like uh trying to get Suki to admit to something before actually like saying what happened um but eventually Suki's like I'm sorry I Davey was awake all night he got to sleep finally and I must have fallen asleep with him and Lorelai is just like she's she's not having it she thinks that Suki's not taking things seriously and then Suki like says you know I have a kid I can't help it there are things that I have to prioritize kind of above the hotel and Lorelai is not happy hearing that either. It's just like back and forth of both of them having pretty justified reasons, I think, for like the issues that they're having, but neither of them. It's almost like there isn't really a solution Mm -hmm. because Suki can't, you know, stop prioritizing her kid Yeah, (laughs) and Lorelai like there's only so much she can do physically so it's not like she can just take everything on and she needs support so it's just mm-hmm. it's such a hard situation yeah i feel like this is probably i can say this because like you know hindsight is 2020 and all but i just when i was watching this i wanted to be like a coach to them and just mm-hmm. be like you guys aren't working as a team and what they identify like is their partnership isn't really functioning perfectly like you're saying like Lorelai feels like she's having to take on more of the fair mm-hmm. like less than the fair share of work you know because she's taking on more she brings up like I've been doing all of these meetings this is like the one thing I asked you to do and Suki's like 
well, I didn't know like you would want me involved in the planning and Mm -hmm. this part of the stuff, the decision making, like my part comes up later and I don't know what you want me to do. Like I can't do anything. I'm doing the best I can do. And Lorelai's like, but I'm drowning. Like I am not, I can't do it on my own. And of course they talk about this after like a major problem has happened, right? When you should be like, actively having like check-ins or um at least talk about like what role are we each going to play how are we going to split up the workload like ideally they could have done that at the very very beginning (laughs) of this process you know um but like it's classic passive aggressiveness like you say I mean we all I don't know if we all do this but a lot of us do this where like Lorelai mentions like She's been feeling like this for six weeks and she hasn't Mm -hmm. talked to Suki about it until now when Suki has like disappointed her, you know, like Suki could read her mind or something. Right, right. And it is like wanting like just feeling upset and just wanting someone to like recognize that and do something Mm -hmm. about it. But like you just have you have to voice it, you know, you have to voice it to them. And um, so, yeah, it felt like, you know, they just were letting things build. They weren't functioning well. And then it kind of. I think it's awful that the sink was sent back to Canada because I bet yeah. that shipping was so expensive I and I would be so annoyed if I was Lorelai as well. Like, I mean, at least they're like in the north part of the country. I know. Still. <laughs> I was just thinking about that as everything was kind of mm-hmm. coming to the head here. And I, um, I, both of them, yeah, are kind of like right in their own way, but I'm just mm-hmm. like some good communication. Yeah. And I feel like we could identify some solutions here, you know, like I know. a way to balance things. I think one solution that they should have thought of at the very beginning was to have Michelle on as a third partner, even if mm. he could only do half t- like part time because he still needed to work the other job. Because he would have been able to handle, like, if he was just working part time at that other hotel, he could have, ha- he could, like, handle so much <laughs> yeah. um, extra stuff. Like, I or feel like he's assistant. kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like somebody who's kind of an in between who helps both Suki and Lorelai, like, pick up the slack for both of their, like, respective responsibilities. Oh, who yeah. was the, the, night manager oh yeah Michelle Tobin Spen- <laughs> they should have hired could Tobin have done that. yeah <laughs> yeah he could have been the nanny and the like exactly the, kind of personal assistant person yeah yeah they should have done that I mean he came back from Utah for them mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah to your point like I think that's so practical and at the end of the episode when Lorelai's kind of having her breakdown she's talking about like sometimes I wish I had a husband because he could pick up the slack you know like he could go sign for the sink and that's true like a husband is a partner in that sense but like also like you're saying or you could get another business partner Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Michelle you know like yeah uh you're like I don't know it's just funny that she takes that jump of like oh my gosh I need so much more help I can't do this all on my own oh I guess I need a husband like (laughs) it's so Mm -hmm. so like heteronormative tv show jump like um to like no you need like you need more staff like (laughs) yeah yeah and like it I don't know I guess maybe they probably don't have money for right paying for Uh, the staff but I don't know if they had factored that in from the beginning they could have hired like a I don't know a high school student or something Mm -hmm. to do part-time 
after school help them I don't know or just something you know yeah if you are gonna get a loan and you are going to have more money that could be something you do too yeah yeah you don't have to do it all by yourself yeah it was just a hard scene to watch Mm-hmm. And I know they'll come back together, but it was just, it sucked. I also, I feel like Suki, if she was in a, if she was like in a stable job at this point, she would still be on maternity leave, I'm pretty sure. Because Davy must be like maybe two months old or something at this point, <laughs> two or three months old. So she'd either like just be coming back or, you know, still on leave. So yeah, <sighs> I'm having a real hard time figuring out what time it is yeah. in the show right now. So I'm not quite sure how old Vaguely Davy is, spring. to be <laughs> That's But true. early months, definitely. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, they re- did they really decide to do the end before she knew she was pregnant? I was trying to remember that order of events because that's what Suki said. But I yeah. felt like she knew she was pregnant before then. Not that it, like, matters, but it, that's just one thing that comes up, you know. That's a good point because they decided to like kind of jump on the inn after the fire or after Fran's death mm-hmm. when they finally got the dragonfly. I don't remember exactly. Mm. Maybe they didn't know. Her pregnancy seemed to happen quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she was like pregnant for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> so our next scene, we go to Luke's. Um, and a couple things happen here. First of all, Lane comes in. She's back in town and she asks for her job back. The diner is slammed and everybody's complaining. So Luke says yes. <laughs> I think he would have said yes, even if it was dead at the time. But mm-hmm. she's going to start back that evening. And then Lorelai comes in and uh, she and Lane have a short conversation in which Lorelai finds out that Lane is going to be staying at her yeah. house as... She had missed a call from Rory, who told her that. Um, and then Lorelai asks Luke to go to dinner with her. Not as a date, although you can't really tell what Luke thinks. I think he understands, yeah. like, the way she's talking about it. She said they have, she has things she wants to discuss with him. And she wants to go somewhere, like, nicer. Um, I don't know. It's so vague, like... You could kind of tell it's not a date, but also it could still potentially be a date. So, yeah. like, as as she leaves the diner, they look at Luke, and he's just, like, he's got that kind of curious look on his face. Hopeful, maybe? <laughs> it was so ambiguous where I, I agree, like, it seems, like, I'm, we're pretty sure they both know it's not a date, but we're also, mm-hmm. like, he could think it was a date, you yeah. know? And that would be so awkward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have my Lorelai's Closet. And my Rory's bookshelf in this scene, the hat Lorelai is wearing. This is a double nomination because I thought it was very funny the way that this whole episode, they're talking about how Lorelai needs a haircut. Her hair is so bad when clearly Lauren Graham has perfectly fine hair. (laughs) And so like at this point, they're trying to like make it seem like her hair is bad. So they've got it like pulled up in this sort of like messy bun situation and she's wearing a hat like, oh, look, she has to hide her messy hair. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm on to you. I, I know she's got great yeah. hair. Ridiculous. Um, so that's the Lorelai's closet part of it. And then the Rory's bookshelf is that it's a reference to the artist Bon Jovi. 
um, and the song Living Like a Prayer, which is what she says at the end. Um, and it's like, no, Living on a Prayer, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, apt because she is kind of struggling in her life right now. So she is trying That's to just live on a prayer, do her best. <laughs> yeah. I had my Lorelai's closet in the very next kind of micro scene where Lane mm-hmm. goes out of the uh, diner and sees Mrs. Kim and they both like stop and look at each other. I thought Mrs. Kim was going to ro- walk right past her, not say anything, but she does stop. Yeah. She says, hi, Lo- uh, Lane says that she's staying at Lorelai's and then Mrs. Kim says, wear socks. <laughs> So I gave that my Lorelai's closet. We don't see these socks, but just giving that advice I thought was worth it. Um, I think, is this general advice for life? Is it specific to Lorelai's house? Does Mrs. Kim not think it's clean enough or something to have bare Mm. feet? Or maybe it's too cold. It's cold. Yeah. Like it was cold in her house recently. The window was broken. Yeah. Maybe she heard about that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do, why give socks? I mean, I wear socks. Like, of everything she could have said. It's interesting. Yeah. Socks are like, when my mom would send me care packages in college, though, she'd always include socks. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the most appreciated things because you don't ever like think about buying yourself more socks until you have only socks with holes in them, you know? I know. And they're so it's easy hard. to lose, too. Yeah. Yeah. But they're important. You want to wear them. (laughs) Moving ahead. Back to Yale. We have a scene that does not involve a phone call, of all things. And this was my gazebo moment, this scene. Which might sound a little weird, but I'm nominating this because I like this storyline in general. Um, But yeah, I'll talk about it a bit more, I guess. So this is Rory. Oh my god, it does start with a phone call. I just forgot. (laughs) Dang it. Ah! she's talking to Lorelai about how she's going to go see this professor and she has this whole line about like she's going to be like I couldn't read my notes so like could you tell me this but she's really there just to like get the grade on her paper and so she goes in she's going through this whole spiel and the professor is like I've got your paper here let's talk about it I liked how like um forward he was and he's like oh yes Rory and so then he tells her you know I read your paper and you started out talking about game theory, but then you went off on this whole tangent about um, pollution somewhere or something, you know, like a topic that wasn't related to the paper. And the professor talks about how this is something he sees before when it's like content from another class, you know, aka Mm -hmm. like just trying to get your work done. So you fill up a paper with whatever you can and Yes, it is true that we can tell when that happens mm-hmm. as the people reading papers. Sorry to share yeah. it. <laughs> happy and sorry to say, happy and sorry to share that news with everyone. Uh, he identifies her as a student who is probably overloaded in her first year of school, which we can also tell. Unlike him, though, I don't have like I've never had the power to view a student's whole schedule and then contact their advisor like he does that seemed like a bit extreme Mm -hmm. but he is like yeah I did talk to your advisor and we we do share the same concerns and we think you should drop the class like this is a deep paper and he says the magic words that this is before the drop period 
but like I was like this is like my life like I was I've been in this situation where I'm like advising a student I'm not instructing them to but I'm saying like this could be the time to drop the class yeah and it will never show up on your record and you can focus on your other classes and you can take the class another time it's all chill (laughs) um but Rory like a lot of students perceives dropping a class as like a sort of failure um and so she's definitely um freaking out about this as we will see but I I like highlighted this as my gazebo moment because it just seemed so it was so real and actually accurate Mm -hmm. to college and we've talked before how we like seeing her have like a rough time in college not because we want to see her like have a bad life or anything but because it's so interesting to see that aspect of her life and how she's changing as a student and just a person of like you know she is such a a learner as part of her identity and whatnot um so I just think it's so cool and I like I want to say I look forward to her working through it but then the fact that they like rope Dean into it out of nowhere, as we'll talk about more shortly, is so disappointing when it's like this should be about like um, self like sustaining and like independence and learning how to support yourself and like identifying what works best for you and whatnot. And it's like she goes to Dean. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. I had like one qualm with how the professor brought it up. He says, like, don't compare yourselves with others when she's saying that Richard took five classes his first year. And I agree with that part. But then he says, some people work at a faster pace and you just work at a slower pace. And I'm like, that is literally comparing her with other students. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you could be more tactful with that because that's where she really starts to look super deflated. Mm -hmm. It's more like you got to spin it like... um, to be able to absorb all of the information in your other classes, you can drop this class and take it at another time so that you get the most out of all of your classes or something like that. That is funny. Yeah. Don't compare yourself and then does compare her yeah. in the way that will make her feel the most self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Also, it's just like there are so many factors you don't even know. Like what were the five classes he was taking? Mm-hmm. What is she taking? What like the professors, so many different variables like every like five classes are not the same like some classes are so much harder than others and it's all just whatever and who even knows like what Richard's life was like who knows if like people will always be like oh classes were so much harder before that's what like Mm -hmm. everyone says I feel like so it's always like it's like where his what were his classes like all of that whatever but at the end of the day it's like tis what it is (laughs) yeah you just have to like, it, it is kind of a learning um, opportunity to find out how to f- how to notice when you are at your limit. <laughs> and that's yeah. what Rory needs to figure out. I think it, it also could have worked better if, like, she and Richard both were taking more than the average credit hours. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we talked about this briefly before when she started at college. But, like, five classes is fairly common. I mean, especially for, like, early years when you're taking gen eds and stuff like that and it can be considered your easier coursework not that it feels that way at the time necessarily but I did like take less credit hours as I went on and I realized like what I needed to graduate and whatnot but like so if she was taking like six classes or something because he like my grandpa overloaded too so I wanted to as well and then it like well no you could go down to five that would be fine like that might have helped things but 
I do have to say, none of the classes that we've heard the titles of sound like 100 level freshman courses. Like no. this game theory class, that's not like intro to economics, you know? Yeah. And like her literature class with um, Asher. Asher, that was like a specific time period or yeah, something. Yeah, like contemporary political fiction. Yeah, that's like, like that. not a, an intro to fiction or like intro to the major or like uh, intro to British lit or something like that, mm-hmm. which would be what you'd be taking as a freshman. So, and I don't think, I think that's just a, a failing of the writers. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know. Yeah, like what is her obligated math or science class? Like that's yeah. actually the class I struggled in my first year. I think oh my like gosh, my, yeah. you know, like my, my own, I'm like Rory, the A student, right? I think my only B was like in my science class or something, which is so stereotypical of me as an <laughs> English major. <laughs> I got <sighs> a few Bs. I even There's got a C. Like C's get degrees. Yeah, that's true. And I, I feel even that got way a PhD, now. so, you know. Yeah, I feel that way out. now. Like, as an undergrad, though, I had definitely internalized so much of, like, academic validation was my yeah. the my key to resistance of life. <laughs> I, you know, people won't believe it, and sometimes I am ashamed to admit it, but I was a minimal viable product person in my undergrad, so... <laughs> I'm there now. Except for like, <laughs> kind of, for the know. classes that are super into like my medieval classes. I oh yeah, got A's and stuff. But yeah. Anyways, moving yeah, on. we don't need to compare ourselves to other people. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I am faster. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Then Rory, I'm faster than Rory. I took five classes. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. So our next scene, we're at the Gilmore's, and Trix is there. Emily's already been stuck with her for two hours, and Trix is on, like, fine form of just trolling Emily, like, belittling her at every single possible moment. I wrote the same thing. I'm like, Trix is at her best right now. Yeah. Like, scathing comments. Yeah, to everybody. Like, she criticizes Lorelai's hair, but, of course, makes that Emily's fault. If Emily had given her enough notice, Lorelai could have gotten her hair done. Um, and... Emily brings out a little jar of nuts that apparently Trix had liked the last time she visits, visited and said, here are the nuts. And then Trix goes on about that for a while. Mm-hmm. And then Richard and Jason show up. So we get a little introduction with Jason. And he's done a very nice thing, I thought, meeting like the matriarch of the family, somebody who he wants to impress. He's brought her a gift. And it's not just like chocolates or flowers or something. It's a book about French antiques, which he's heard she likes. <laughs> um, I thought that this was a very good move. Uh, Trix does not allow him that. <laughs> um, she, yeah, she uh, is very confused about why somebody who she's never met is getting her this present. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just not giving anybody any opportunities to turn this ship around. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. That was my um, just sass attack when she said, why did you get me a present? And then like, it's not my birthday. It's not Christmas. I can't remember quite what she says, but it's just absolutely like hilarious the way she just has Jason there, like just quaking in his boots. Like, I thought it would be nice. I don't know. And then he has to just like set it down on the side table. Like she won't even like accept it. And um 
later on she makes like another side comment about it too and it's just like he's so embarrassed (laughs) poor guy (laughs) poor guy haunted yeah (laughs) uh also apparently Trix has been waiting for lunch to arrive for a long time it's always her complaint with emily Mm -hmm. um and we also get a very short moment where lorelei has snuck off into richard's study to check her messages jason comes in and admits he's frightened of Trix. (laughs) But they have mm-hmm. to go back out. And then at dinner, Trix starts to ask Lorelai questions about the inn. And she kind of gauges pretty quickly that Lorelai is out of money. She's hemorrhaging money, as she says. <laughs> and this she turns on Richard. We've never seen her attack Richard before. It's true. Uh, so I thought that this was kind of momentous. She talks about a time when she had to bail Richard out um, in one of his first business ventures. And then we get my gazebo moment, which is when Emily and Richard, Emily comes to the defense for Richard, and they're finally on the same side against Trix. And Lorelai mentions this later as like an example, or I think she's inspired by this later in her speech to Luke, but Mm. this is an example of like the support that a marriage could bring potentially to her. Um, but I just like that it was Emily who's always just being ragged on by tricks and Richard is always just kind of like, da da da, he's not really paying boy, attention. Yeah. yeah. He never comes to her defense really. But here finally they both get to be on the defense together against tricks and I just thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're both so excited about it, but also angry. Yeah. I thought that was the fun flipping of the table and mm-hmm. then I also noticed Emily was, I mean, sorry, Trix was saying like, oh, you were 27 or at least it comes up that he was 27 and Trix is like, I bailed you out. You could have lost the house. And I'm like, you're telling me that they lived in that house when he was only 27? (laughs) I think that they must have gotten married right out of college. So they were like 23. And was that their first home? (laughs) I'm yeah, rich people, you know. <laughs> yeah, good for them, I guess. I was just, like, yeah. shocked by that. But you're right. Like, I guess that is probably just their life. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Big differences between boomers and millennials, you know. Are they mm-hmm. boom? Yeah, they're boomers. Yeah. Lorelai's a Gen X, I think. Anyways. <laughs> Unrelated, but as a final note on this scene, oh. I, as I was looking at tricks, I got slightly distracted because I realized she was wearing a wig in the scene the actor and I was like actually you know I guess it makes sense because she's got very like Victorian old lady looking hair and it does make sense that an actor who's working regularly like and I did google it and this she does have just like shorter hair in the most recent Mm -hmm. picture I saw so I was like yeah you know that makes sense but you could just like see the whole line um at the start of the hair like it wasn't they didn't make it look like it was um real hair coming from the scalp or anything wig watch wig watch i know inspired (laughs) by uh the house of our podcast we like the host joanna is in charge of wig watch but i will just i did my best here you know (laughs) i'm pretty sure at trix's funeral or the vow renewal we see like her an aunt i don't remember the aunt's name who's played by the same actress i wonder if she's got the same hair her normal hair We'll we'll have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Like, every time Trix comes around, I'm surprised. And I I guess she's, like, in the show more than I realized. Mm -hmm. And I keep waiting for her to die. Like, not in a (laughs) 
mean way but i'm like oh if she's here this is probably her death and then to this point she hasn't died yet so i'm like maybe she dies now yeah (laughs) death watch (laughs) so we've got kind of two last big scenes for the episode and they're pretty as we mentioned before they're pretty parallel Mm -hmm. um so we'll start off with rory's final scene she is going to the inn to look for lorelei to talk about all the things that have happened with her having to drop a course and everything she's pretty distraught lorelei is not there but dean our shining knight is there (laughs) looming large to cry on (laughs) yeah and he like pulls her outside and asks what's wrong and she's kind of having a meltdown she finally tells him that she's like messing up everything she's failing at everything she has to drop a class and lane isn't there anymore and she hasn't been able to talk to lorelei and like all of these things are just compounded and she's uh crying i wrote this was a mostly convincing cry from alexis plateau yeah yeah <laughs> it was I more convincing than really others <laughs> yeah um and she ends up she also admits she's like why are you being so nice to me um mm-hmm. she admits that she was horrible to dean and i thought that was you know a little bit of improvement i don't think she's really done that before but yeah. in the end she's just like crying into his shoulder and he's comforting her uh ignoring all the i mean it's hard like when somebody's in distress to not comfort them so i don't blame him for doing that but it's also like there's so much baggage and he's married mm-hmm. and you know it was like <sighs> an intimate yeah comforting as well um like the whole like it was like almost an embrace, you know, yeah. like it was a side by side embrace. And she's like crying and like he's got her like cuddled into him by the end, which again is very sweet and is kind of like what she needs in that moment. But he's not the like appropriate person yeah. to be doing that. And if I were Lindsay and I found out about that, I would be annoyed like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think it, I that's what I was thinking about during the scene and like. Also, um, I gave this moment my Friday night dinner because, as I've alluded to, not so subtly, I am just so annoyed that he's the person she turned to in distress. I feel like it's, like, fairly organic the way that they bring Dean back into her life, at least. Like, it does kind of make sense that he got this job. Like, yeah, how many job opportunities before. Yeah, are there in town? Like, so he's working there. She runs into him. It does feel fairly, like, not forced, but, like, that said, I am still just, like, annoyed that this is pretty much when they choose, I feel like, to bring him in Mm -hmm. and to pursue this storyline with them. Um, This could have gone a different way. Like, I don't know how it could have gone, but it could have, you know? Yeah. Um, So this is kind of, like... chest. (laughs) Yeah, this feels... It's so interesting the way I was thinking about that. Like, they had just their last episode, and he said, I love you to her. And then in this episode, no mention of Jess yeah. at all. Like from Luke, who is also dealing with Jess issues, or Rory. Mm-hmm. And here she's like mentioning, she's sad that she's failing at school, as she thinks she is. And then she also brings up like, I failed you. Like, sorry, I was awful to you. She, but she doesn't like, is she not like also stressed by the Jess stuff that yeah. happened recently? Like, and now she's turning to Dean, which is so interesting. Like, that it just, I don't know. I'm like, 
what does she think about Jess saying yeah. I love you? Like, why are they not? Why did she get a job? What does she think about Jess? Like, why do they not tell me these things? Yeah. <laughs> that could be like that could be like sixty percent of why she's having a breakdown, <laughs> right? Justifiably, but I know, but we don't <sighs> hear anything about it. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I like I wrote down a mean note where I was like, maybe you would have more time for school if you are in Stars Hollow so often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, though, like that is like something we did bring up, like being away for school is part of what helps you develop your life yeah, on your own and I mean, coping mechanisms and whatnot. So like part of me was thinking like, of course, you should find Lorelai right now and you should rely on her because this is like an out of the ordinary sort of thing, mm-hmm. like you do want someone to comfort you and be there for you when you're upset. But also like, I don't know, like part of the problems you're having are that like when issues come up, you have to go find Lorelai. Yeah. And you don't handle it no on your friends. own. And now you're adding Dean to that mix too. Like it's complicated. Yeah. She should have some friends in college. Like that's part of what <laughs> bonds you with people in college yeah. is like dealing with that. Uh, like separation from your parents and also learning how to deal with everything yourself and like having moments like this where you just rant to each other and stuff like that (laughs) like she needs to make some friends and also she doesn't confide in Paris for anything Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah like you talk to your friends who also got a d on a paper or who also have to drop a class like it is the solidarity in the community of like talking to people who are going through the same things as you and like mm-hmm. obviously her and Lorelai have a different relationship but like I would not I don't know if I would have told my parents I had to drop a class like oh, yeah. I'd be too embarrassed like I'd be did. afraid they'd be mad at me which yeah. they probably would because they'd be like we're paying for school or like whatever yeah <laughs> and so that's also kind of funny to me I'm like I would keep that a secret because they wouldn't know my schedule so they would never find out <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> our next scene is kind of very similar Lorelai gets back from the lunch dinner or whatever it was a long lunch if it's yeah. like evening now <laughs> yeah and she finds luke who has gotten all dressed up and is about to head out for their date to pick her up but she is like very distraught she's close to crying and she says that she needs to cancel and reschedule luke very astutely <laughs> realizes something's wrong and like sits her down on a bench and asks her what's going on and she similarly to rory kind of breaks down and she gives the whole speech that um, there are a few times in her life where she wishes she had a husband, but uh, sometimes she just wishes she had a partner to pick up the slack, uh, like make her coffee in the morning, sign for the sink, that kind of stuff, Um, which I can totally, like it is very compulsive heteronormativity and all that, but as a single person who probably will be single for the rest of their life, I can fully understand that, especially because the world is made for couples. Like, it's not made for single people. So all of these things, like when you have to go to the doctor to get surgery or something and you need somebody to take you, that's made for, like, that's set up for people with a partner to take them. There's yeah. no, like, extra help for, <laughs> like, a shuttle service or anything like that. Like, there's so many things that are just, like, it's assumed you'll have a partner. So I can fully understand where Lorelai is coming from. Like, yes, a lot of these problems would be helped if she had a personal assistant or something. (laughs) 
but also sometimes just emotionally, like you kind of wish that you had uh, like a partner to help emotionally support you, even if you're fine on your own, you know, it's just something that happens. So I get that. Oh, yeah, I totally get it as well. And it's I was like curious that she's having this conversation with Luke rather Mm -hmm. than with Jason. And I feel like that's perhaps like a subconscious admitting of like she if she had this conversation with Jason and was talking about like oh it made me wish I was married yeah then that brings into like should they get married like and then he's just also just like so busy with his own thing she's probably like realizing like he's not the partner that would be maybe like wouldn't be able to support her Mm -hmm. yeah they like wouldn't balance each other out they're too similar they need like she needs somebody on the other side of the seesaw somebody like luke who's super steady (laughs) yeah yeah i as you're talking also is thinking about like i feel like also also what's kind of appealing about gilmore girls are the different um like relationships of support and community and like kinship Mm -hmm. and whatnot which has come up before and like yeah i don't know it just made me think about that like we have that and then balance with like but also the show loves couples and also real life like it's nice to have a partner too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's very true she also um admits that she was going to ask luke for a loan of thirty thousand dollars which i think is quite a significant chunk of money Mm -hmm. uh to ask i wish i I had thirty thousand dollars to even just having my bank account (laughs) well I was like I thought she might ask him for like 5k or something like 10,000 tops (laughs) yeah 30k like that he could just like have sitting around for an Mm -hmm. investment and he's living in that tiny apartment I'm just like damn (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow I mean it's just ironic to me because I'm like oh Emily acts like Luke is just you know the working man beneath Lorelai but He's, he seems to have money. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of it. I mean, he has enough money for the Twickum house. Mm. He doesn't have to buy the diner or the place that he lives, so he doesn't have That's to worry point. about rent. So he can just, like, put aside, like, put away most of the money he makes. But yeah. this, this crying from Lauren Graham, I was tearing up quite significantly, a lot more than Rory's crying. <laughs> uh, but I was, like feeling it for her two very hard scenes and then like yeah to culminate the episode we're not given any like uh reunion <laughs> instead yeah. we get a resolution yeah, yeah we get a sad message from rory on the answering machine that's just like hey mom just checking in everything's fine and she sounds very very sad mm-hmm. and basically the same message is left for rory from lorelei like Hey, just checking in. Everything's fine. And nothing's fine. (laughs) And that's part of, like, why I was thinking, like, well, why didn't Rory just stay in Stars Hollow Mm -hmm. and go home to, like, see Lorelai? And I think that is, like, the obvious thing. But, like, as far as the story goes, I think it they can't have them confide in each other and have resolution here. Mm Because, like, the whole point is that, you know, right now – they're both going through this and they feel isolated and 
they're just not ready to like resolve that yet yeah. in this episode you know like they're larger problems and so it's a larger like multi-episode thing so yeah. it really you really do feel like the weight of it when you think like oh they're gonna talk to each other now at the end and then they don't and you're just like oh my god it hurts i know we have to wait hopefully they actually address all this stuff in the next episode instead of just move on like they did for dress <laughs> wouldn't that be nice <laughs> we shall see uh who is your mvp for this episode my mvp for the episode is tom oh, nice. just because he is like the best it seems you know mm-hmm. he is just doing his best at the end even when he's not being paid and he's a nice guy and i don't know yeah, I just felt yeah. like being random, so it's Tom. <laughs> he also, I don't remember who he won against in our March Madness, but it was like a major character who he came up above. It might have been Dean, actually. Oh, yeah, I think it was. And now they're working yeah. together. <laughs> uh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah. Who is your MVP? I decided to give mine to Lorelai. I mean, I don't think she handled everything perfectly in this episode, but I just felt for her with all the stuff she was going through. And it's not like Rory wasn't also going through plenty. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe I just like sympathized more at this point in my life with Lorelai or something. Uh, And 10 years ago, I would have been more with Rory. (laughs) But I am close to Lorelai's age. So, you know, she's what, like... 35 at this point yeah something like that i am the age of richard when he (laughs) failed his investment and lived in that cool house well it's time for you to do the same (laughs) yeah (laughs) clearly (sighs) okay well we'll see what happens after this yes we will until next time you know talk talk soon Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.